0: Oh, the Hornets! Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champ. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. So let's play football. Everything we had too. Alabama. Do I don't give a shit who we're playing. Nobody. We're playing against. And make his ass quit. That's our trademark. That's our mo with the G. Breaks it. Breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This
1: is a mauling, folks—a mauling. Hear the tide, honey badger. Hi. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. All right, gang, you got Dave, Dave riding solo again, episode five, and this has been a marathon recording session for me this evening. I hope you guys are enjoying these. Uh, we are going to jump in um, tonight and our jump in in this episode and talk about the offense. Uh, we spent last time talking about the defense. And uh, you could argue that we save the best, <laughs> the best to last. And, um, <clears throat> and I, I might have just enough voice left to muster my way through this. So we're going to do just like we did in defense. We're going to step through each of the position groups, uh, give, you know, a little bit of banter on uh, on each of these. And look, the theme for the defense was outstanding at the top and it gets thin quick. On the offense, it is, if there's a theme, it is abundance of riches. Uh, It is a fully fleshed out um, roster at each of the offensive positions. A lot of depth, a lot of talent at each of the positions. So we're going to run through, and this will will sound very homery in as much as we don't like to sound that way. The offense is going to sound that way. And it is just damn because these gats are good. And they are stacked up wall to wall on offense. And so if this comes across a little too crimson glasses, um, you know, go back and listen to the defense again. <laughs> I'll tell you that. All right. So let's let's start with the big uglies up front, offensive line. <clears throat> I think... Uh, right now in camp, they're running uh, um, right to left. They're running Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, Ross Pierce Baker, uh, Lester Cotton, and Jonah Williams. And I think that's pretty close to how they're gonna they're gonna net out. <clears throat> the only sort of flipping I might put on that is is Jedrick uh, and Alex. Uh, Alex might end up back at right tackle, uh, and Jedrick at right guard, uh, or they may stay, you know, kind of where they are. Um, and I think something in there to, to watch for is the athleticism. We have Alex Leatherwood who stepped in flawlessly for Jonah Williams at the left tackle position last um, well, in January in the national title game and and he's moving from left tackle to right guard that those on a front five offensive line, are about as far away as two positions can get, the right guard to the left tackle. And so what that speaks to, uh, Jedrick must be darn good if he can run ahead of Alex at the right tackle. And that also speaks to a pretty pretty finely tuned athletic offensive line. And so I'll take Jedrick at the tackle or the guard and Alex at the other. I'm good either way, but I think that five – is a phenomenal um, is a phenomenal bunch i think they could represent uh the strength of the team and certainly certainly an athletic bunch i think matt womack i hate the fact i'd never root for injury i i just sick for the kid that he hurt himself unable to participate in spring drills which really opened up the door for jedrick and alex and then now here in camp he suffered the same injury again which just really just blows the doors open. Uh, Womack won't be available to start the season. And so, um, you know, Wills and Leatherwood are going to gonna battle for that position. Womack will be back, and so he'll sort of be the swing tackle. And it looks like of the, of the starting group, Jedricks, Alex, and Jonah, we've got three tackles on the field. Uh, if something were to happen to any of the tackles, including Jonah, uh, I think we move uh, between Alex and Jedrick to that position, and then we have the opportunity to to bring in Matt Womack. So I think we've got a swing, uh, a swing tackle there, and I think Deontay Brown has the opportunity. Uh, he's slimmed down a little bit. He's still a big old boy, uh, but I think he's athletic. I think he can be a mauler at the point of attack um, in the interior, and I think he has the opportunity to be a swing, a swing interior player, so I think that's going to be uh, something to watch. I really like the depth that we have there, and I really like the the talent that we have uh, at the top of the roster. Now, <clears throat> think about this. We have three players that are no longer with the team, and the fact that they left, and the way that they left, this this is sort of reading between the lines. This is Someone doing something and interpreting from their action the circumstance. So we have Dallas Wormack who left Alabama as a graduate transfer. God bless him. Uh, and he's going to Oregon where he may start. And so he recognized and I'm not going to be able to break this log jam. I can go somewhere else, a top flight, top five, uh, top flight, uh, big five program potentially start. Brandon Kennedy did the exact same thing. He went to Tennessee. I'd hate that he went to Tennessee, but there you go. He potentially can start at Tennessee and he was not going to break the log jam to, uh, to earn the starting center spot. And JC Hasenauer, he's the one that might be the most surprising. He, received all sorts of accolades last season when he stepped in for Bozeman. Uh, pro Football Focus rated him uh, the best offensive lineman in the SEC one week when he stepped in for Bozeman. He started the national title game against Lester Cotton, and you know we awarded him a mini game ball, but he performed uh, near flawlessly in that game. And rather than stay – and fight for a starting position at Alabama. He went to the pros. Now think about that. He thought that he would have better playing time opportunity in the NFL than if he stayed at Alabama, where he started multiple games last year. Think about Ross Pierce Baker moving from left guard to center. Now, a couple of years ago, he did that, and we talked about it on the podcast. He was not keen on that idea. You could see it in his voice, in his body language, uh, in the interviews, that he was not excited about that move. And about 10 days before or fewer before uh, the game against um, US, I think it was USC, he was removed uh, and moved back to left guard. And Bradley Bozeman, seemingly from nowhere, took over the starting the starting center position where he remained, you know, sort of entrenched, you know, two straight years. But Pierce Baker has been practicing at center and then in his entire mentality, you know, when they first announced that he was going to move to that position, I was a little bit nervous about it. I was like, well, last time we publican moved him to that position. He didn't want to be there this year. His, his attitude was completely shifted. He knew that, Hey, I can play guard again. I'm not going to get any better. I'm not going to make myself any more versatile. I'm not, I am not. I. can't be a better prospect, but I can play center, challenge myself in this way. And I can be a more versatile prospect uh, uh, player, you know, for the NFL. And so he, he was connecting the dots differently this year than he had him in prior years. I think he had also practiced enough at that position that both, Brad, uh, Brandon Kennedy and Hassanauer knew that if Pierce Baker moves over to center and, and gets his mind right on playing the position, I can't beat him out. That's two guys at the center position said, I can't beat him out if he has his mind right. One said, I'd rather go to another SEC school and sort of figure it out. And one said, I'll take my shot at the NFL and see if I can't get some run there because I ain't getting it at Alabama. That to me is impressive or, and take it for what, will, for what, what you will. That's my read on the situation, but um, I think that's a, that's, that's a pretty compelling, uh, that's a pretty compelling narrative. Uh, so tight ends. <clears throat> Hale, Hale, Hinchkis, Irv Smith, Kendrick James. Those are three guys that could start. I think nearly anywhere. Miller uh, I like his athleticism. It'll be good to see him back from injury this year, and uh, Major Tennyson uh, as well, another sophomore. I think three of these guys get drafted into the NFL, maybe more. I think there's a lot of top end talent here. Uh, this may be as strong of a group of tight ends that uh, that we've seen at Alabama. I think I think Hale um, is just methodical in in his production and what he brings to the team. Uh, I think Irv has some athletic. Uh, athleticism, he has some capability that that we really haven't tapped into yet, and I think Kendrick James, I think he has the potential to be off the charts. Um, and then Forrestall and Tennyson, uh, I think are are tall, fast, uh, more of the receiving tight end. Uh, more of a true receiving tight end. But I think they have the opportunity to uh, to make some big plays. And we've seen that. Uh, we've seen a little bit of that from them. So I think this group of tight ends, phenomenal, top to bottom. Um, you know, I know there's some walk-ins, that, walk-ons that sort of on the list as well. But if you look at these five scholarship guys, I, I mean, some are better than others. But I'm telling you, top to bottom, this is a good a group. Uh, of tight ends is, is I think I think we've seen at Alabama, the uh, the wide receivers, I think you could take I think you could take Rugs, uh, Judy, Smitty, and Tommy and I, and have one of the best uh, wide receiver cores uh, going, um, but you kind of get a trade up because instead of Tommy and I you get Terrell Shavers you know six six, uh, you get Derek Keefe and Xavier Marks. Uh, some experienced guys that may get some run. Uh, you get a Chidarius, uh, Chidarius Ta- uh, uh Townsend, who's really athletic, sort of a forgotten guy in the mix. He redshirted last year, and so, you know, he really needs to sort of um, – he has an opportunity to really, you know, break out this year. Uh, uh, Jalen Wad- uh, Waddle is just the talk of camp. Everyone says, you know, uh, David Palmer-type moves. Uh, I think he has the chance to to really em, uh, emerge uh, onto the scene this year, and then Xavier Williams is one of those freshmen who uh, everyone says is equally as talented, just doesn't have maybe the name recognition as the Jalen Waddell. So it'll be interesting to see. That is just a phenomenal group of of talent. You know, six seven deep easy at the wide receiver core, and again, uh, again, a mighty talented group of wide receivers. I have. And and you know, hesitate to do this because I don't I don't want to necessarily call out any names, uh, anyone negatively. But if you go back to some of the national title teams that Alabama has had, and look at the wide receiver core, there's some top end names, you know Julio and Amari Cooper and uh, Calvin Ridley. There's absolutely some top end names, but. There's some other non-top end names. Now they're they're good players. We like them. They contributed. Not mad at anybody, but the 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 depth at receiver for those teams is not what we have this year. And so I don't want to call this the best re- receiving class that that I've ever seen. I can't think of one that matches it though. And we can go back and look at national title winning teams at their wide receiver core, and I. I, I bet that you would be really surprised to say that's the four deep, that's the five uh, deep at the position. Uh, whereas out of this group, comfortably, we could go, you know, four, five, six without even, without really even batting an eye. And that includes some young guys, but <clears throat> nonetheless, there you have it. Wide receiver. <clears throat> uh Running backs. You know, this is wash, rinse, repeat, right? Uh, Damian Harris, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Josh Jacobs, you know, where do you want me to go from there, right? That is just – those are four running backs that nearly – that could start at almost every program in the country. Um, you know, I know Stanford's got the love kid, and Wisconsin's got, you know, a big back that that they're proud of, and, you know, there's a couple others across the across the landscape, but I think those four guys – could start nearly almost anywhere in the country, uh, save for just a handful of programs. And and we've got all four of them. Uh, Jerome Brown, true freshman, uh, I think really looking good at, at camp. I think we try to redshirt him if we can to create a little bit of separation. You know, we may elect not to. We may try to get him in on some special teams. Uh, maybe some return action. Uh, probably, probably not. But... Um, you know, I think if we could redshirt him, we really would like to. Uh, and then Ronnie Clark is back as a redshirt uh, senior. And he's just been star-crossed with his uh, injury. But it was so heartwarming the, the couple of times last year when uh, when he had an opportunity to play and uh, score him a touchdown. Just the way the team responded to him. You know, glad that he's back. Hopefully even a little healthier this year. May be able to contribute even a little bit more, but it's going to be hard to pry the ball away uh, from some of these guys. I think Damian Harris. This he has an opportunity to have three seasons in a row of over a thousand yards. Uh, I think that is that is super exciting. I think he has the opportunity to do that. Uh, reports are he's picked up a step. Um, you know his top end speed was was maybe the biggest knock uh, against him last year. He was a little bit faster than the year prior. Uh, He had a groin injury, and I think he dropped a couple pounds. This year, I'm hearing good things about his speed. Uh, Najee Harris is in a walking boot at the time of this recording. We expect him to be back to uh, full speed early, early in the season. Uh, Brian Robinson, kind of same thing. And Josh Jacobs is a player. He had a run injury last year. He's just such a little dynamic guy. and I really look forward to uh, seeing what he can do at full strength, and and, uh, especially with a team that – that aspires to distribute the ball and get it in the players' hands uh, creatively in a, in a very diversified manner. Uh, I think that gives uh, Jacobs the opportunity. You know, I saw an interview with him just recently, and you know, they were asking, "What do you like about this offense?" And you could almost just see the just the 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 shine in his eye, just the sparkle in his eye. We said, "Oh, I like the spaces. I like the open spaces." And then uh, I know we're talking offense here, but he was asked about the defensive front and he just got that sparkle back in his eye. And he said, oh, they have a chance to be pretty good. And you think this guy knows something. (laughs) And uh, I I think it's going to be fun to see, like, what does he know? How does it really manifest itself? And so, you know, that's sort of an overview of of the offense. Well, you know what? I guess there's one more position to talk about, isn't there? The uh, the quarterback. Position Tua and Jalen. Over the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about Jalen and Tua a little bit last year, but not as a sort of a position uh, competition, but just is another guy there. And we've talked about Jalen a lot. And I've had some very, very strong opinions on Jalen. Tommy has to, And we've gotten some nasty commentary back, not a lot, but a little bit about Jalen. And when, when we talk about him, and that's disheartening because we want to be fair to the kid and we want to be fair to our opinions as well. Jalen is a guy that has as much poise as I've ever seen uh, from, from a young quarterback. Uh, Even going back to his first start against USC and his first play was, was a fumble and he came right back out and, and had a really good game that day. He's a guy that, Midway through maybe three quarters of the way through his freshman season, I thought he would evolve I thought he would not mature like he was immature but mature as a player in his his development as a player uh, I thought he was on a development trajectory um, such that I said that he has an opportunity to win three national titles during his time at Alabama and I believe that and the Irony of that is he may well have the opportunity to play in three national title games. You know, obviously the Clemson game we lost. And then last year we won, but it wasn't really him, it wasn't really Jalen that won it. And in this year is yet to be determined, but he has an opportunity to be on the team that three years in a row plays for a national title. And so I feel like I'm a little bit wrong and a little bit right on that one. And I've always really admired uh, Jalen, I don't think he is intuitive in the offense. Certainly not in the way that Tua is. Uh, I think he is dynamic as a runner, um, especially when he catches sort of the defense lolling. I think his poise, his ice water in his veins, off the charts. Everyone talks about he's so athletic. He should move to another position. I don't think, I don't think he would. I don't think his athleticism would pop at another position. And frankly, I don't know where he could get time at another position at Alabama. Maybe there's an H back sort of thing that he could do. Uh, I don't think he could move straight into the tight end room. I don't think he could move straight into the running back room. I don't think he could move straight into the wide receiver room. And and step above the talent that's there, it would have to be some sort of hybrid manufactured position. But I don't know that we see that from him. Um, I think Tua earns the starting job, and I think you know Saban has. There's one thing Saban has always said when he talks about the quarterback competition. He always says, "I want the player that wins the team." Okay that makes a lot of sense. This year he said something different. He said that too. He said I want a player that can win that can win the team. <clears throat> but he added to that. He said we want someone who can distribute the ball. Like a point guard. And I think when he said that, you know, a lot of people picked up on we want a player that's not going to toot his own horn or his family's not going to toot his own horn and And sort of get into the fray. And everyone immediately attributed that to Jalen's father. Um, I think there was some stuff with Tua and sort of the Tua day in Hawaii and stuff like that. So I give that one a wash. The comment that that really sort of resonated is when he said, we need a distributor. Whoever can distribute the ball. And for all my gratitude and appreciation or respect for Jalen, he is not a ball distributor. He's the shooting point guard, not the distributor point guard. and I think Tua is the distributing point guard. We've seen plays where uh, Jalen scrambles to scramble. Tua scrambles to get uh, to set his feet to throw the ball. And I think that's a material difference. I think that um, I think Tua wins the starting job. Now he needs to he's going to have a learning curve. He's not faced yet a defense that has pr- has a game plan for him. He holds the ball in such a way that it can be knocked away. Um, he's He threw a bonehead interception on what looked to be a running play uh, against Georgia. He's going to have those types of gaffes, but he's also going to give you the spectacular plays. Um, you know a couple of the plays to Ruggs were just dynamic. The play to Smitty, obviously. He's going to give you those plays, and so if he goes out and has three inter uh, three touchdowns and an interception every week, then that's that might be what you get, um, and we'll have a hard time losing games if that you know frankly if that's what we get out of him. How good can he be? Um, you know, Blake Sims is the single season passing record at 3487. So right at 3,500 yards and A.J. McCarron has the record for 30 touchdowns. Tua could meet or break both of those this season. And I believe that. I think that Jalen, you know, all the talk about Jalen transferring. Look, I've said this um, not on the podcast, unfortunately, but I, my opinion is that he does transfer, but he transfers after the season when he graduates He's a couple uh, – he's a handful of classes away from graduating, uh, at which point he'll be able to 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 go as a graduate transfer and not have to sit out. Uh, you know, frankly, he's – you could reason that he's going to sit out somewhere this year. Uh, why not sit out somewhere where you can try to earn a national title and maybe step in and be the hero like Tua was last year? Um, you know, why would you not do that? The NCAA, and this is almost – you know, this is – it's like it's good to be king, Right. The NCAA has a new, a brand new rule that you can, uh, this year where you can redshirt, uh, you can, you can participate in up to four games across the entire season and still cash in a redshirt. And so I do think, and I've heard other folks say this as well, um, I think Jalen picks the spots, doesn't play a whole lot, maybe plays in four games, maybe some of the bigger games, um, in spots. And, maintains uh, the opportunity to redshirt, graduates, goes as a graduate transfer to uh, another program, and gets to play two years. I think that's probably what we see. And I will pat him on the back and salute and give him, you know, the best of well wishes uh, if indeed that's the case. But that's what I think will happen. I think what that does is it creates an interesting opportunity because Mac Jones I think is looking pretty good too. And you don't necessarily want to position it that Jalen has fallen to three, uh, but you don't want to give up uh, the opportunity for Mac Jones to get reps uh, either. So at some point, something's going to have to be discussed or said uh, about that. But uh, I I think that's how I see that. uh, That's how I see that playing out. Uh, so that's interesting, but yeah, I think Tua truly is a distributor, I think we're going to see, you know, week to week to week, it will be difficult to forecast, um, like if you're doing college fantasy football, for all the talent on the roster, you might struggle to pick, you know, winners from the Alabama squad, because we're going to have the opportunity to to distribute the ball um, <clears throat> just so much, there was a really cool article, um, talking about everyone sort of heaped up on um, Jalen's 26 and two, and they sort of broke it down. And, you know, they said, if you look at not just all of the games, but you looked at the tight games, you took out the really bad teams and the cruddy teams and the cupcake teams, you're really looking at eight and two, which I thought was interesting. And then, you know, Jalen's freshman season, there was a stretch where the defense was scoring so many points there was a stretch where the defense by itself would have been like three and five or three of five. And so it's hard to, you know, they they were trying to say 26 and two, what really does that mean? And I think there were some, some compelling points there as well. I teased earlier uh, and I haven't hit it yet. I teased earlier uh, 26 and two. And so I've been sharing some of this with my wife and she thinks I'm crazy. And she's told me as, as much, but think about this. This this to me, and I'm not a numerology guy or anything like that. I just was looking at this and I was like, wait a second. 26 and 2 are the numbers two and 26 keep popping up and, and all the all the stuff. And so so I've got I've got like four instances of 26 and two popping up. So 26 and 2 is Jalen Hurts's record as a starter. Okay. Alabama scored 26 points in the second half of the national title game. Okay, that's pretty cool. Tua's pass to Devontae Smith was second and 26. (laughs) How about that? Now, this one is a little more of a stretch, but wait a second. Jalen is number two. Tua. Is number thirteen. thirteens is twenty six. Now that's just kind of crazy. I don't know, but I just got the biggest kick out of, and I'm not a numerologist sort of wacko guy. Um, I just thought, damn, that's those two numbers keep coming up and up and up and up, and um, so I thought y'all can write in and call me crazy, but um, that's sort of my thought on that. So overall. Um, so I kind of slowed down a little bit on the offense, but overall, look, this is the I'm gonna say this. This is the most assembled talent that I've ever seen in Alabama on one side of the ball. It's phenomenal. On paper, on paper, this team should win every game by double digits. Every game. It should, you know, much less being favored. They should absolutely win every game by more than 10 digits, uh, by more than, by more than, uh, 10 points. This team is just outstanding predictions. You know, we always had sort of that late season stretch LSU, Mississippi state and Auburn, where we have the most opportunity to struggle. If this team is healthy and we're really operating at full speed, when we hit that home stretch, um, this team is going to be dangerous and we should, we should, you know, slice through that. Mississippi State, um, you know, maybe the bigger dark horse of of everyone, but we get them at home. Uh if we play Georgia in the SEC championship game, then that is a, you know, that's a month of some really tough games. I think they're gonna have a little bit of drop off, just like we did in 2010. Uh I think they're gonna have a little bit of drop off. <clears throat> I am, you know, just sick to my stomach with Womack. Um, and then Christopher Allen, I literally like screeched out when I saw where Christopher Allen hurt himself. Um, I feel that strongly about it. I do think this team makes the college football playoffs, um, which sounds like a captain obvious type comment, but you have to think about that is no small feat. And I think this team plays for the national title. Do I think they win it? I'd have a hard time finding a team that I think could outscore this Alabama team. And, and normally it's sort of the other way. You have a hard time finding a team that can score enough to beat an Alabama team because the defense is so strong. If you know, I predicted on defense that the defense would get stronger week after week after week visibly. So if that holds true, and if Tua performs, you know, directionally correct, with and and I'm saying he has the opportunity to set new records for yardage and touchdowns all time. So if he's if I'm directionally correct on his performance and the defense does get demonstratively better week after week after week, and all of this sort of congels, converges together. Yeah, I think this team has a very realistic shot. Of winning the national title. That's one of those rat poison things. I know Sabin would, would hate it. Um, I you know, I'm gonna tell you more than one thing can be true. I am nervous as hell about some of our depth. That is absolutely true. I am also a little bit of a realist when I see the talent that this team has and the opportunity that this team that this talent represents. Uh, and if we get the right quarterback in there. Distributing the ball—that's a sort of a key word. I I sort of park on that. If we get the right distributor of the football, well, I like what David Pollock said: Uh, Jalen can get us to the national title this year. Tua can win it, and I think I would take a longer way to get to it, but I'd I'd, I net out where he is, Uh, and I think and 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 I think um, I think we can set some offensive records if if Tua is sort of the quarterback of record. Uh, throughout the season. So that's what I've got. That's what I've got in terms of the offensive breakdown. I think this team is poised to be uh, really spectacular. I am super excited as we approach this season. It has been a, a long offseason and um, it's been a long off season without us talking football. So I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Uh, I've been solo these last few shows. I appreciate you guys sticking with me as we have worked through uh, a number of topics. And uh, again, I, I'm going to ask you, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, give us a rating, uh, subscribe, all of those things, help us in the ratings. If you have questions, we absolutely love engaging with our listeners. So drop us an email, Alabama football podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, Alabama Football Podcast uh, on on the Facebook. And uh, I mentioned in our last show, and uh, I'm going to mention it again here, Uh, reach out to us and let us know what you think. We would love to um, have some sponsors on this to defray some of the cost. Tommy and I are not looking to make money off the podcast. That shift, you know, (laughs) we're in the hole on this thing. I'll be honest with you, but we just enjoy like heck doing it. If we had an opportunity to get some sponsors to offset some costs, we absolutely would be all about that. If there uh, was an interest in some uh, listeners supporting the podcast, then we would absolutely have some interest in that. You know, a dollar an episode, dollar every couple of episodes, a few bucks a uh, you know a month or for the season would be spectacular. There's probably a dollar amount out there uh, where you know we could uh, allow someone to be a guest, uh, a guest on a podcast. Maybe there's a dollar amount out there uh, where you know we get a group together, an individual or a small group together. And, uh, you know, just for drinks in Tuscaloosa, grab a beer, watch, uh, some football, uh, maybe in Atlanta. And, and I think there's an opportunity. I think there's a, a a figure out there where, um, you know, join us for a game, uh, sit with us in the stands, probably come up with an extra seat. I typically have one next to me, sit with us in the stands, let's watch a game together and, uh, and do that. So if that, if, if there is a level of interest in any of that, uh, let us know, and we can put some more rigor into uh, th- that as an idea and some more thought into that, and we can do that quickly and think about doing it for the season. So uh, you guys think about that, but something uh, something, again, offsetting costs is really all we have in mind with that. At any rate, I hate to sort of end on that note, but uh, I'll say again, super excited to be back for this season. Super excited for all the comments and support uh, that we've received uh, in the off season. and I uh, really look forward to this season kicking off and uh, another uh, another successful season that hopefully ends with a visit to uh, San Francisco for the national, uh, national championship game. With that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.